This is the SPFL 42 show, covering every division in Scotland. Hello and welcome to another episode of the SPFL 42 show, the only show that talks about Scottish football for Scottish football fans. My name is Dr Grant Campbell, host of the Campbell's Footballs podcast, and I am joined for this latest episode of the show by my good friend, my anchor man, the host of Football CFB, Callum McFadden. Callum, a warm welcome. It's always great to be recording with you, Grant. I hope you're well. Um, looking forward to, to tonight's show. Um, I think there's so much to talk about in Scottish football. You can you can never have a dull week, as, as I know we will talk about, as always. Yes, certainly been uh, no shortage of talking points once again. And if you want to keep up to date with everything that is happening on the SPFL 42 show, you can find us at the SPFL 42 on Twitter and follow uh, myself, Stato underscore Grant on Twitter and Callum at Callum CFB on Twitter as well. Callum, let's start tonight's show, or this latest episode of the show at least, with something a little bit different uh, because uh, the stalwart of Morton, Jim McAllister, Announced his retirement at the weekend there. A tremendous um, achievement for Jim. He's had a wonderful and decorated career. What does he leave to not just Morton Football Club, but Scottish football as a whole? Jim was um, he was a really talented footballer, first and foremost. But he was also a great human being off the park as well. He, um, I, I got to know Jim personally um, a little over the years because when I was growing up, he was his first spell at Morton. He was a a tricky winger wearing number 11 on his back in the, the second division at the time and and uh, the questionable Barnet, which uh, <laughs> I like to mention to him now and again. And and he was a player that I really enjoyed watching growing up. Um, him and Chris Miller were, were the two players that I loved watching when I was going to Capelo as a kid. And funnily enough, obviously, they, they returned most recently. So um, he, he was a player who, as I say, went from a winger to transitioning into playing in the centre of the park. Um, he also had a stint playing wing-back when he was at Hamilton as well. But off the park, he was, as I say, a, a real gentleman um, when it comes to charity auctions and, and that sort of thing. He's always always volunteered to, to help out. And he's, he's just someone who I, I can't speak highly enough of. In terms of a footballer, the legacy that I think he will leave um, is, is one of of happiness for the clubs that he played for. Um, if you've seen the reaction, Morton fans are very sad to lose him at this moment. But Jim obviously has to look after his family long term, especially in these unprecedented times. And if you look at the Dundee fans, they they are actually um, also uh, speaking very highly of Jim. And I saw Hamilton fans wishing him well too. Yeah, I was lucky enough to just have a, an informal chat uh, on on Monday, um, after Jim had retired with Kevin Thompson, um, his former teammate who he played with at Dundee, and, and Kevin was coming towards the end of his career there, but Kevin um, had high, word, high um, words to say about Jim. He was very complimentary about him as a player and as a character, and I think when you've got someone with the stature of Kevin Thompson praising you as a footballer, then it, then it shows you everything that you need to know. For Morton, it's, a, it's an incredibly sad loss. Jim McAllister played over 300 games for the club. He was the club captain. Um, Mr Morton, in many senses, in that dressing room, along with Chris Miller. And when you consider the situation at Morton, where they only have one dedicated backroom staff member, and that's the, the interim manager, Anton McElhone. The rest of the coaches, of course, as I'm sure you're aware, are players that 
he he would have been great to keep around if possible. But as you know, Grant, um, in in this life, um, whether you're a footballer or whether you're not, security is everything. And yeah. Jim has to look after himself and his family. But he's uh, he, he's he's a player who I have to be honest with you, Dunfermline, I'll be glad to see the back of because <laughs> for, for whatever reason, the, this season and last. That seemed to be the team that he, he loved scoring against. And uh, as I say, he'll be fondly remembered by his teammates, by fans and by his coaches. Um, David Hopkins thought very highly of him. And, and when he left the club, he referenced Jim McAllister as someone he was gutted to leave behind because he, he loved working with him. So, as I say, a gentleman, a, a super footballer for the clubs that he played for and someone who gave football his all played down in England with Blackpool as well which sometimes people forget and as I say all round good guy and wish him every success for the future Yeah absolutely I can't uh, add anything to that fantastic summary that you gave there I mean a, a really decorated player making 361 appearances for Morton uh, a truly astonishing uh, journey um, in terms of him long term do you see him maybe going into coaching or management in the future? I mean, I would, I would certainly like to see him in coaching or management in terms of his next step. I'm not 100% sure what his next step is, um, but I, I would love to see him do it. I think he's he's someone who's clearly passionate, um, and and he's a player who he, he was a player who was very intelligent on the park. He was a leader. He he liked to command um, in the dressing room as well. So I think he's someone who I'll be honest with you. I think he would be a good manager. Whether whether he wants to leave that a few years before considering it, I'm not sure, but I'm sure we'll hear about his next step soon enough. Do you see him managing Morton someday? I mean, that would be really special, wouldn't it? If you ask me honestly, Grant, um, and, and if Jim, if Jim, if you listen to this, I'm not putting any pressure on you. Um, I actually thought Jim would have taken the job this summer, him or Chris Miller or both. So the fact that Jim's now left the club, uh, I find interesting. Um, I, I, I personally will be will be really interested to see the direction that Morton are going to go in. I have a funny feeling Chris Miller will be the next Morton manager. Um, that's just I, I don't know that for sure. I don't have any insight from Chris. I don't have any insight from the club. That's just me purely speculating. But I think Chris Chris Miller or Jim McAllister is, is probably uh, are probably the, the men who I thought would lead Morton next season um, when, when Anton McElhone got them through to, to the end of the season. But as I say, in football you just never know. But in terms of him being a Morton coach and manager one day, absolutely. And and, and why not? Because you, you've seen it so many times at clubs like Morton where a, a former player manages the club. Look at Jim Duffy, he was a former player, managed the club well, knows the club, knows the area. And the best thing about Jim McAllister, I should have added this, Grant, see when Jim McAllister played at Dundee and Hamilton, if he was out injured or they had a weekend off, he'd go and watch Morton at Capelo. So that shows you how much Morton meant to him. And, and that's something that, not a lot of players would maybe do, but again, sums up the man. Yeah, absolutely. Really great words that you say again there, Colin. And on behalf of everybody here at the SBFL 42 show, we want to wish Jim a very happy retirement and all the very best in the future, whatever you decide to do. Well, Callum, since we last spoke, obviously the January transfer window has been slammed shut. It really has been a mental uh, few days. I thought we'd now go through um, each of the Scottish Premiership clubs and just assess who has had... Uh, the best window. Let's start with Aberdeen, um, my team. Um, Ross McCrory um, in uh, from Rangers. That was a permanent deal done uh, over the line. Uh, we also saw Florian Camberry, Fraser Hornby and Callum Hendry joined the Dons. Out went Scott Wright, who went, of course, and completed the move 
uh, to Rangers. Sam Cosgrove uh, left for Birmingham City. Curtis Main went to Shrewsbury Town and Thomas Cherney retired. And of course, uh, Bruce Anderson and Foon Sojo also went out on loan to Hamilton and Wigan, respectively. What do you make of Aberdeen's transfer business? I'll be honest with you, Grant. I think it, it, it was good in the sense that Sam Cosgrove leaving the club for, for around £2 million with a sell-on, I think it's incredible value. Sam Cosgrove's been a, a really good player for Aberdeen over the last few years, but he's had his injury troubles this season. He's not... He's not necessarily looked like the same player in the games he's played this season. In my opinion, you may disagree. Um, so I think £2 million in a sell-on for him is good value. In these times, as, as Dave Cormack has said, every single club, um, even Celtic Rangers and, and Aberdeen, of course, would be no different, are all affected by this. A lot of people say, oh, but they can sell their season tickets, etc. And yes, they can, but they, they, they still don't have the normal match day income, etc. that they normally would do. So... Um, I think it's good business. I think McCrory and a permanent deal, obviously that was due to happen in the summer. It's been accelerated now. I would I would assume, um, again from the outside looking in, that, that deal would have been done on Aberdeen's terms rather than Rangers because of the Scott Wright situation. So with that being said, I think that's a real positive. The only thing I would say, um, Grant, and, and I can understand why Aberdeen have done this, they brought in three strikers on deadline day and I know that's very exciting and I know that, that gets the headlines, but Surely you would have wanted one of them in earlier in the window to bed, to bed in over the first couple of weeks for so that when Cosgrove leaves, they're already in position, they're in situ and, and they're playing well. But I suppose Derek McInnes and the club would argue they simply didn't have that luxury because, as you know, transfers can fall through and if, if Cosgrove to have fallen through, it could have put them in a, a position that they didn't want financially. So overall, I think it's a positive window. But um, I know we'll come to it later in the show. I, I think Aberdeen uh, might need to look at, at managers in the next window because as much as I like and as much respect as I have for Derek McInnes and have a lot of it, I, I do think a change is needed at Aberdeen, medium to long term. Because I think to, to Derek's credit, even if he finishes third this season, Grant, there's only so much he can do. He's finished third so many times. He's got to cup finals. He's won a cup. I just think a fresh start for everyone would be good. And and don't get me wrong, I think if Derek left Aberdeen, he would get a really good job, and I think he would go back down south, and I'd wish him all the best, as I'm sure that the Dons fans would too. Yeah, it's been a really interesting window for Aberdeen. I was actually quite disappointed they didn't bring in another defender. Um, I think uh, the centre-backs, the three at the back, uh, Taylor, um, Hoban and Considine, have been decent this season on, as a whole, but I think you look at you know, Ross McCrory, I think he'll be a bit more versatile. He can drop into that defensive position. But I look at Greg Lee, I look at other options. I think Aberdeen are a little bit short defensively. I was quite disappointed Aberdeen didn't bring in another defender. But I agree with you on the whole with the rest of the, their business. I think it was quite good. I'm pleased that Bruce Anderson has gone out on loan again because I think he needs to uh, show people that he can uh, prove that he can score um, and be competitive at the top level. And I thought too many times as an Aberdeen fan, he never really showed that. On Anderson, Grant, I, I think this is a, a make-or-break move for him. I, I think if he doesn't succeed at Hamilton, I don't think Aberdeen will, will be looking at him as someone who realistically can improve them long-term. So this six months for him is, is massive. He needs to grab the bull by the horns, try and score some crucial goals for Aki's that can keep them in this division. Yeah. But even failing that, he needs to just showcase to Aberdeen and Derek McInnes and the staff that he is capable at top flight level because... He's a player that's had a lot of promise, but I don't think he's he's delivered when given opportunities in the top flight. Now, he will argue, I'm sure, 
He's not been given enough opportunities, but now he will be, and he has to prove it. Yeah, no, absolutely agree. We will come on to talk about Hamilton in a minute, but I'm glad that you brought Bruce Sanderson up there. <coughs> Let's move on to talk about Celtic, because um, John Joe Kenny has come in from Everton. Uh, Jeremy Frimpong has left for Bayer Leverkusen. Also going out in this window is Olivier and Cham in somewhat controversial circumstances to Marseille. Obviously, we've heard uh, Andre Villas' Boas's comments earlier in the week. Some other interesting guys as well. Uh, Barry Coffey going to Cliftonville. Obviously, my connections with Northern Irish football uh, was quite interesting. What did you make of Celtic's business in this window, Callum? I'll be honest with you, Grant, and say expected. I don't really think uh, lots of players this window would have wanted to join Celtic. Uh, John Joe Kenny, I think, is a solid addition for six months. But um, speaking from a slightly by Celtic perspective, just for a, just for a brief minute here, if John Joe Kenny comes in for six months and plays really well, then goes back to Everton, is that what fans really want? To, to be teased almost with a, a loan signing who comes in, shows his quality, and then you've got no realistic way of keeping him? I don't think so. Celtic have had the fingers burnt in the past and Patrick Roberts in that regard where he was very successful but they couldn't keep him permanently and, and ultimately ends up moving on and, and you, you think what could have been. Um, in terms of outgoings, I think Jeremy Frimpong was a disappointing one, especially when Neil Lennon publicly said that the player left because he was ambitious. I thought that was a very poor PR statement from a Celtic manager. Um, even if you, Even if that statement's true, I spoke to, to Laura Bradburn recently in the SPFL 42 and, and she said, of course, playing in the Bundesliga, fighting at the top of the Bundesliga is, is a step up from Scottish football. But as a Celtic manager, you, you you don't come out and say that. You leave that to pundits and analysts to say, you you obviously, you're paid to, to protect Celtic and, and that's not something you'd want to do. It, same, same with Aberdeen. I mean, Derek McInnes can't really come out and say, oh, Scott Wright's going to Rangers because he's got ambition and he's going to a bigger club, etc. Because you just wouldn't do that when, when, you, when you're the face of a football club. Um, but as I say, I think it was to be expected. I don't think many many people w- would want to come into this situation at Celtic as big as the club are. The most worrying thing I heard was when Neil Lennon spoke at his press conference and said, yeah, well, for the window where we've been speaking to lots of agents who've been offering us players, again, to me, that just screams out uh, poor recruitment strategy. It just screams out disorganisation. And Neil Lennon has very defiantly said that Peter Lawwell leaving doesn't affect his position as Celtic manager come the summer. So it's going to be interesting. I think when Peter Lawwell announced his retirement, many Celtic fans thought, right, the club might make a change now after St Mirren. They might bring in a couple of deadline day signings, even on loan and boost the place. It's not happened. Neil Lennon will be in situ to the end of the season because he's been through... Uh, enough GFK moments, if you like, and survive them all. So I don't really see him going now, if I'm honest. And the, the club will be playing catch-up massively with Rangers next season um, because they simply haven't prepared for the future. And unfortunately, we've seen this in Scottish football many times. Um, if you fail to prepare, then prepare to fail. Yeah, absolutely. What did you make of the Olivier and Cham saga? Because it was a, a really big mess, wasn't it? It seemed like Villas Boas didn't want to have him at Marseille. It just, it just sums up the whole situation at the moment, doesn't it? I mean, Celtic get rid of a player who Neil Lennon said has wanted away for the full two years he's been in charge of the club and his new club don't even want him or the manager at least doesn't want him. So, bizarre situation. I actually feel for the player because with, with AVB at Marseille, you're getting you're getting in Chaman. He's, he's in for six months. He's got a, You've got a, a potential buy option on him. Why not just put him on the bench or keep him in the stand and make it clear he's not part of your plans? Why 
throw the player under the bus in such a way. I don't think it was. I don't think it was some. I don't think it was respectful by um, Andre Villas-Boas. Um, if I'm honest with you, Marseille, the club like Celtic, firmly enough in crisis, and um, and his comments, I suppose, summed that up. I think maybe by throwing in Cham under the bus, uh, proverbially, he was doing that to to sort of get the fans off his back because it's been a bit of a shambles. It certainly has for Marseille in the French Football League, that's for sure. But let's move on. Dundee United, uh, none in, and Cammy Smith out. Also, Paul McMullen went to Dundee, Jake Davidson to Arbroath, and Adam King to Wraith Rovers. Is Dundee United's lack of business worrying for you, Callum? It would be worrying um, to an extent, Grant, but when you look at the financial situation at the club where the fans have raised um, quite a wee bit of money to help out, I think reducing the wage bill was, was a sensible thing to do for them. Realistically, the forward-thinking players they've got in Shankland and McNulty should be Clark, of course, should be enough to stay up. It's just not clicked for them. I feel under Mickey Mellon, and 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 obviously, I'm not I'm not um, advocating rash decisions where Mickey Mellon loses his job or anything like that. Not at all. But I think he will know that he will go into next season under under a bit of pressure, even if they stay up this year. Because uh, as I say, there's just not been enough cutting edge from them. You could say not having any fans at Tannadice, which is normally a really a really tough place to go for teams could be one of the factors to that. But every team's got that. So I don't think that should be used as much in excuse by him and his players. But as I say, I, I am slightly worried for them as we'll come on to. And it'll be interesting to see if Mickey Mellon regrets not signing anyone. Yeah, certainly going to be very interesting to see what happens down Tannadice way. Uh, we already mentioned about Hamilton. Bruce Anderson, the, the big news in for, for Ackes and uh, Brian Rice. Will Collar uh, is out along with Daryl Meikle to Blackburn United. Hibs were busy in the window. Matt Macy in from Arsenal. Chris Cadden from Columbus Crew. Jackson Irvin from Hull City. And out went Dylan Barnes back to QPR after his loan had ended. Stevie Mallon to Yeni Malatyaspor in Turkey. And Tom James to Salford City. What have you made of Fabian's business? I think moving Stevie Mallon on was strange. Um, I actually... I actually spoke to Stevie when um, he just had arrived in Turkey. Um, I sent him a message. Um, I spoke to him last year just saying, wish you all the best and uh, good luck. And he sent a nice message back saying, thank you. I'm looking forward to, to, to seeing what this experience brings. And, and, and good on him for, for being willing to step out of his comfort zone. He scored on his debut with an absolute cracking goal. Um, and, and, and good on him for that as well. But that baffles me. You know, Grant, I've been a big fan of Stevie Mallon. I've mentioned him in quite mm-hmm. a few shows this season. Um, and I'm not biased just because I had the chance to speak with him. I just think he's a, I think he's a game changer. I think he's the sort of player that he offers something gonna... different, doesn't he? He offers yeah, something yeah. different. Absolutely. If you're in my opinion, and it's, again, it's only my opinion, but I, I, I don't understand why you would move him on when, when the sides lacked a bit of cutting edge. For me, he's the sort of player that even if he's on the bench and comes on for the last thirty minutes, will always have the potential to spark something out of nothing. I mean, his debut goal for his new club was a, a lovely shot from outside the box and it was a moment of magic and Hibs need that at the moment because Jack Ross just simply isn't getting enough out of these players at this moment in time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, certainly has been. What have you made of some of the other business? I mean, Cadden and Irvin in, Jackson Irvin has uh, hit the ground running a little bit lately. What have you made of that? I think Cadden and Irvin are two really good signings, to be fair. I think those are the sort of signings that a club like Hibs should be trying to make. Um, Irvin obviously was proven down south. He was at Hull City. He was very highly regarded. Chris Cadden, as we all know, was was fantastic at Motherwell. Has got a couple of caps for Scotland as well. He was unlucky at Columbus Crew. I've spoken to Neil McGuinness, who's the head of scouting at Columbus Crew, and they were delighted to sign him at the time when they did. But 
he'd an injury when he when he went over there and, and he was unable to, to break in for, to, and really fight for for that right wing back position because the established full back was fit for the full season and didn't really put a foot wrong. So I think for Chris he'll learn a lot from the experience of America. He was obviously a champion there. He, they won the conference and the MLS Cup. So I think he comes back to Scotland a better and more rounded player. And I actually think he needs to, hopefully for him, showcase that he can maybe be considered for that right back bear for, for Scotland in the summer. Because as decent as um, Stephen O'Donnell has been at fullback for Scotland, I'm still not convinced he's, he's the answer. And, and, and I think Cadden and many others should be looking to, to stake their claim because I don't think that position's set in stone. No, absolutely. I think it's a very open area of the pitch on the international stage for Scotland, and I'm really excited to see how Karen gets on at him. I think that was a really good bit of business. Uh, let's talk about Kilmarnock. Uh, Diagoli Dabo in along with George Oakley. Many Hamilton fans will know Oakley very well. Uh, also, Brandon Pierrick from Crystal Palace, along with Zek Medley from Arsenal, a defender. Uh, out was Eamon Brophy, Innes Cameron uh, to Aloha, Brophy to St Mirren. Well, we'll come on to talk about Kelly and obviously the situation with them a little bit later on, Callum. But just in terms of their transfer business, I mean, they needed to really do some business in this window, did they? They, they did, and I think the business they have have been able to do, I really don't know how to comment on a lot of it, Grant, especially the two particular loan signings from down south. They, yeah. they, are, they are young up-and-coming players who want to make their mark in the game, and we're Commander can on the table, and given the recent form... I don't really know. It could be naive me saying this. Of course it could. I don't know if that is the sort of sign that Kilmarnock really needed this window. I think someone mm-hmm. like an Oakley who has played at Hamilton, who knows the league, who knows what it's like to, to be in a sort of dogfight, is, is the sort of player you want to bring in. But the, the, we will come on to it later. The managerial situation is going to be crucial for them. And it'll mm-hmm. be interesting to see if a new manager comes in, whether they try and add from, from free agents that are out there or whether they go with the current squad, because that, that will be quite telling in terms of their recruitment strategy and how it's judged. Stay tuned for more on Kilmarnock later on the SPFL 42 show. Let's move on to Livingston. Uh, Gavin Riley in from Carlisle United. GC Cabia uh, in from Shelbourne in the Republic of Ireland. Gibral uh, Diani from Grasshopper Zurich also in on loan. Out went Robbie Crawford to Motherwell, uh, loan to permanent. And Lars Lockhart was released and Jack Hamilton went to our broth. Decent business from Livingston? Decent business. I think David Martindale has, has earned the trust to do whatever he likes. I saw a joke on Twitter that the only man who could stop Rangers winning the league this season would be David Martindale of Celtic. Them <laughs> and, and to be fair, that's probably true. And I, I think he's, his impact on Livingston has been, has been first class. I've not seen anything in the team's performances to doubt him yet, so... I'm not going to sit here and doubt his recruitment. I think he deserves the the opportunity to to to, shoot, to to play those players and for them to showcase their talent because everything he's done so far, Grant, has, has turned to gold. So long may it continue for him and he'll be hoping these new signings can, can aid him in that. Absolutely. Motherwell have had some really big business as well. Stephen Lawless, Sam Foley, Robbie Crawford all in. Load in, obviously, Liam Kelly, the goalkeeper from QPR, Harry Smith. Jordan Roberts, Eddie Nolan, and Tyler Magloire from uh, Blackburn Rovers. I hope I pronounced that okay. I went Jordan Archer to Middlesbrough, Jordan White to Ross County, and Callum Langslone ended and he went to Wigan Athletic. What have you made of Gary Alexander's business, obviously? Motherwell still rebuilding, but look like they're heading in the right direction under him. I think the most important business they were able to do this month was not lose the best players in 
Alan Campbell and Declan Gallagher. I know Gallagher the wee niggle and missed the game um, uh, last night, but for me, I, I think that's the best business they were able to do this month. Graham Alexander was asked last week, um, will Alan Campbell stay at the club? And he said yes. He said the club have turned down offers for him because they don't see the value in letting him go now um, um, for, for a small fee when he's probably, probably, I say probably, um, will go in the summer for, for free. Um, I think, as I say, keeping those players was the best business they were able to do. Liam Kelly, I think, is an incredible addition. And Motherwell, to be fair, I think, will push up and probably finish seventh, if not sixth, depending on how St Mirren do, because they look as if they're going to have sixth place sewn up the way they're playing at the moment. But I don't think they'll be in any danger. I think Graham, Graham inherited a decent squad there. Let's not forget Stephen Robinson uh, did a good job over, over the piece at Motherwell. This season was a bit shaky, but I don't think it was in need of too much major surgery for now. I think that'll come in the summer when they lose a couple of key players. But as I say, I think Graham's in a position where they'll push for seventh or sixth now between now and the end of the season. Uh, the runaway leaders, Rangers, didn't sit on their laurels in this window. We've already talked a lot about Scott Wright coming in from Aberdeen. Also coming in was Jack Simpson, a defender from Bournemouth. Ross McCrory went out to Aberdeen, as did Cammy Palmer to uh, Linfield. Um, there was also a lot of loans out. George Edmondson went to Derby, Brandon Barker to Oxford United, Glenn Middleton to St Johnston, John Jones to Sunderland to name just four. What have you made of Rangers' business? They were, they are pretty much a, a cert for the league title, you would think, but they're still not resting and thinking long term. It seems to me. Forward thinking, everything that a club who are on the up should do. Um, as I say, the inevitable comparison with Rangers is Celtic, and when you look at Rangers this month, they had initially signed players up in pre-contracts. They ended up being able to get them in early. And then you look at the opposite of Celtic, radio silence and a loan for six months to, to paper over the cracks at right back. So I think if you're a Rangers fan, you have to be excited. Um, you have to be excited for a couple of reasons. One, you're going to win the title this season, no doubts about it. And rightly so, because you've been absolutely relentless and magnificent. And number two, be excited because uh, under Ross Wilson's um, leadership in the recruitment department, you... You're a club who, who are thinking ahead. You're forward thinking, as I've said. And, and that can only be a good thing for, for next season as well. Um, yeah. And uh, for me, Stephen Gerrard at the moment um, seems very content. He seems as if he's getting everything that he wants from this this uh, Rangers team on the pitch, but also his recruitment off it. So if you're a Rangers fan, it's, it's the perfect time to be a Rangers fan. It's a massive season for the club. And, and who knows, they could even go and beat. Yeah, absolutely. It's been very, very good business, I think, so far for Rangers. And obviously, domestically, they have also been really good on the pitch as well. With Ross County, uh, John Hughes was also busy in the window. John White in from Motherwell. Jason Naismith from Peterborough United. Tony Ondro, um, who was unattached. Mohamed Moush, uh, another unattached uh, player. Uh, along with Leo Helder from Celtic and Joe Hilton, a goalkeeper from Blackburn Rovers. But out is interesting, Carl, because obviously Ross Stewart went to Sunderland and Josh Reid to Coventry City, both for decent fees, we are being told, and obviously Ross Dewan's loan ended at Celtic. Ross County have done decent business, do you think? I think they have. Um, as we recall today, it's Jordan White's birthday, so happy birthday to, to Jordan yeah, if he's listening. A debut goal for him as well this week, which will, will do his confidence the world of good. Um, he's the sort of player who, if you play to his strengths, is a, is a real asset to the club, and and he's someone who's familiar with that neck of the woods, having been at Inverness for so many years. So I think that's a sensible move from John Hughes. Um, 
when I spoke to John Hughes a few weeks ago, he was very honest with me off the record that Ross Stewart would leave the club um, this month. Um, obviously, I couldn't say anything at the time because that's that wouldn't be that wouldn't be ethical. But he, he, he knew Ross Stewart was going, so it wasn't a massive surprise for John that the club would 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 let Ross go. Um, so he was always preparing for that inevitability. Really, they, if they could have held him to the summer and got him back on loan, yes, that would have been the preferred option. Of course, it would, but. At the end of the day, getting getting a good fee for him, uh, as you say, is we're led to believe is is a positive for the club. Again, as I said with Aberdeen, during these tough times, getting good fees for certain players is just a, an absolute must in Scottish football. And for them, as I say, someone like a Jordan Wright coming in, who knows the who knows the league, who knows the area, can only be a positive. John Hughes's job is very straightforward and simple, as we both know. Grant, he needs to avoid the automatic relegation slot as a as an absolute must. He's on course to do that at this moment. He's clearly had an impact from his players. The, the result at Hibs was massive, as we know, over the festive period. So he's had an impact. He's in there. He's working hard. The players seem to be responding to him. So he's got the momentum on his side at the moment. And for his sake, it's important that that he does that. The only problem, John, John will probably say himself, is his clean sheets. They're not keeping enough of those. But... Hopefully that can come for him, but even if they don't, even if the clean sheets don't, as long as they keep scoring at the other end, that's all that matters. Absolutely, and uh, I, I want to say a very happy birthday as well to John White, uh, as you mentioned there, uh, very nice as well. Just loans uh, at St Johnston, James Brown uh, from Millwall, Glenn Middleton from Rangers, and Charlie Gilmore from Norwich City. Out was Callum Hendry to Aberdeen and Marky Monroe to Clyde. Obviously, Danny McNamara's loan ended as well, went back to Millwall. Quiet business from St Johnston, but decent business? Um, I think it's, it's, it's quiet business, but quiet in a good sense. They've not had to go out and broadcast everything that they're doing and, and make a big fuss over it, I think. Uh, they were quite confident um, with what they've added. I don't think they're a squad in need of major surgery. I think Callum Davidson um, has done well, as, as we we both say, Grant. I know we speak, we speak a lot on air and off air. St Johnston and Tommy Wright was always going to be incredibly tough to, to, to replace. Tommy's a legend at the club, as we've mentioned on this show so many times. He's a guy who was St Johnston for so many years, the greatest manager in the club's history when you consider he delivered their, their one true major honour. So it was always going to be a tough season for whoever came in, but I think Callum Davidson's done a great job so far. Got them to a National Cup semi-final. They don't look as if they're in any real danger of relegation. And for me, if you offered that to, to, to Saints fans at the start of the season, I think most of them would be absolutely delighted with that. Yeah, no, absolutely agree. I think this season was more about consolidation uh, and then building for next season under Callum Davidson. And I think they're they're doing some really great stuff. And obviously, in the cup final against Livingston to look forward to, and you know that is uh, very exciting for them at the end of February. That's for sure. Finally, St. Mirren, uh, Colin Queener, um, in along with Eamon Brophy from Kilmarnock, Sam Foley going to Motherwell. Uh, Junior Marias going to Bournemouth. Alex McCaw uh, going to Annan Athletic. Will Jim Goodwin be happy with their business? Do you think? I think he'll be delighted, Grant. I think Eamon Brophy was a statement signing for St Mirren. I know he's not been the same player at Kilmarnock since Steve Clark left, but how many Kilmarnock players have been, if we're being brutally honest? So if you ask me, I think if you're St Mirren and you're getting a player of his calibre and quality, people forget he's a Scotland international over the last couple of years, so he's definitely got potential and talent if the national team are recognising it. 
So I think for St Mirren to get a player of that calibre to the club on a, a relatively long-term deal, I think it's a three-year deal, is, is very impressive. Jim Goodwin, for me, is... If Stephen Gerrard's Rangers weren't so impressive this season, Grant, David Martindale and Jim Goodwin, as we speak now, if they maintained their current positions or even improved slightly, would be in the running for manager of the year. They technically, they technically will be in the, the running and on the shortlist, but Gerrard thoroughly deserves it and will deserve it um, yeah. when the time comes for obvious reasons. But look, I think Jim Goodwin's been fantastic this season. I think if you're a St Mirren fan, you should be incredibly proud of your team. Tony Fitzpatrick's got a lot of sticks saying the club should be going for, for top four and a lot of people were questioning whether um, whether Tony was drinking Iron Brew or, or bottles of red wine at night when he said that. But <laughs> to be fair to Tony, our top six finish is, is definitely going in the right direction. I don't ever see St Mirren being a top four club, if I'm honest with you, Grant. I think that's incredibly optimistic. But a top six club, um, why not? Look at St Johnston under Tommy Wright. We just mentioned them. He was yep. able to do that on a small budget. Why can't Jim Goodwood? Yeah, absolutely. I think some of them have been a breath of fresh air this season and I think their business has been fairly good too. Well, that's our thoughts on the Scottish Premierships in the nights uh, during the January window. As always, you can give us your feedback at the SBFL42 show on Twitter. Let's move into reviewing um, the week's action because there was two sets of fixtures um, at the weekend and obviously in midweek. We'll start with the weekend's games. Uh, on Saturday, Celtic 1, St Mirren 2. D United 0, Hibernian 2. So Johnston had a tremendous fight back at Rugby Park. They were 2-0 down at half-time before uh, winning by three goals to two. And Livingston and Aberdeen met for the first time of two this week uh, with a 0-0 draw at Amund Vale. Our fellow guest, uh, presenter John Bleasdale, has this question regarding Kilmarnock. Given how quickly Ross County acted to get joint news and how quickly Motherwell acted to get Graham Alexander in, are you a little surprised that even after just five days, Kilmarnock haven't battered down Tommy Wright's door to, to get him to rub the park? Uh, he's the only candidate for me um, that can get them out of trouble. Um, if he's not the number one, who do you think will be? Callum, it's certainly been a, a really interesting time of things. We've obviously mentioned about Tommy Wright already on the show tonight. Um, where are, where did Kilmarnock go from here? One, but two... Do you think Alex Dyer deserves to go? I think I never like to see a manager lose their job, Grant. I like Alex Dyer. Met him on a few occasions, very briefly, um, and very, very nice man, very laid back. Um, Alan Mahood is, as you know, is a personal friend, and and Alan was in at Kilmarnock working with the academy until very recently, and they always spoke very highly of Alex Dyer, um, talking about how mannerly he was, how the players really enjoyed working with him. Uh, Gary Dicker said that this week as well, um, publicly, which was nice. But I think ultimately it's not worked out the way Alex Dyer would have wanted it to. I think the results were, were too patchy. Um, they were never able to put a real consistent run together. They either looked like being a very good team or being a very average team. And ultimately, in football, results matter, and that's going to, to lead to you losing your job. At some stage, so unfortunately for Alex, I think it was probably time to, to make the change. Um, in terms of Tommy Wright, I agree with John. Um, you know my opinions on Tommy Grant. <laughs> I know your opinions on Tommy Grant. He's yeah. a, a manager who is very highly rated by everyone in this show. Um, I'm going to slightly disagree with John on one of the points he makes and when he said he's the only, he should be the only candidate. 
there's one candidate I think uh, sorry, command that could get between now and the end of the season, and that's Gary Holt. I absolutely Ga- agree with that. Ga- now, Gary Holt has just taken a job at Falkirk, so if there's Burns fans listening, they'll be screaming right now at me saying this, but hear me out. Football at Falkirk's level is suspended at the moment, and it probably or could be extended even further. Isn't there a way that Kilmarnock can say to Falkirk, we take Gary Holt for the rest of the season as an interim manager, and then he can return to his post if he's desperate to to keep that post at Falkirk and it works for all parties. I think that's something that, that could be done. I think it's it's realistic. I don't think it would do uh, Falkirk any long-term harm because they've got two co-managers there who are doing a good job at that level and should have, should, should have enough to see them through. Um, obviously, you could argue, well, if he goes to Kilmarnock, he might like it, he might go. Well, that's inevitable anyway. He's going to go at some point. That's, that's the way football management works for all managers, other than the likes of Sir Alex who are long gone from 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 being active in the game now, so I think for me it has to be either Gary Hall or or um, Tommy Wright. Stephen Robinson, I think, is very far fetched. You may disagree, Grant, but I I don't see Stephen Robinson. I don't see it either, to be honest. No. The other That's names on the other names on the list: Stuart McCall. I don't think so. I think the Bradford situation. He's been. I don't think that's the sort of manager you want to go for now. I think you need someone that's coming off the back of a good spell. James Fowler, not for me. He's already at the club. I think he should stay in his current role. Um, I don't really, I don't really think he's a, he's a manager who, a guy who should be given the job at this stage. Derek Adams, Sky mentioned the other night, great appointment if you can get him. Why would they leave Morecambe on such a high at the moment? Would Kilmarnock pay compensation? I don't think so. And last but not least, Paul Cook. Paul's not interested in the job. It's no disrespect to Kilmarnock. Paul wants to work in the English Championship. Um, that's something he's been open about he was interested in the Cardiff job it'll be interesting to see if Bournemouth consider him even until the end of the season Um, so he's a manager who definitely won't be turning up at Rugby Park unless there's a a complete change of heart from him and his ambitions so as I say if you ask me honestly it's Tommy Wright or Gary Holt for me I'm in agreement with pretty much what you say. What I will add to that as a little kind of caveat to this is that Kilmarnock don't do things by the book they do like to go outside the box for quite a number of their appointments. And then, of course, Angelo Alessio um, being the, the classic example of that. He kind of came out of nowhere into the Kilmarnock job, and obviously it didn't work out for him. But this is an appointment for me that Kilmarnock need to get right because they are in a scrap at the bottom end of the table. They certainly are in a scrap, Grant. You're, you're spot on. Um, I saw a crazy link linking Stephen Naismith with the job, which gave me a chuckle. Um, not because I'm saying Stephen wouldn't be a good coach. I just think, why why, why on earth would, would he they suddenly... They need someone that's going to make them tough to beat and, and almost like a firefighter manager. And Tommy Wright really matches most of that credential. Well, I, I, as we both said, can I, I think you need someone with a track record at this moment. I don't think this is a sort of appointment where James Fowler or a Naismith or an Ali McCoyst or a Chris Boyd, one of these former Nate players, I'm just plucking out of thin air at the moment. I don't think this is the sort of time, even if you wanted to get one of those guys to manage the club one day, I don't think this would be the time you would turn to them and say, come in and do it now, because there's far too much to lose legacy-wise for them. I saw on another Scottish football show, and I'm not going to name them because I don't want to get involved in tit for tat. They mentioned Gary Locke. Now, all due respect to Gary Locke, lovely guy, ambassador at Hearts. His managerial record's very poor, very poor. So if he goes into Gilmarnock, I'd be very worried. Um, Tommy Wright or or, or, uh, Gary Holt, as you've said, and we've both said, they have the record to make the difference. And if you're the Kilmarnock board, 
as John alluded to, why are you waiting so long? Absolutely. Go and get it done. Even if you can only afford Tommy Wright for the next five months on a decent wage, go and get him for five months yeah, to keep no. you in the league. Yeah, no, absolutely agree with that 100%. Before we move on to the midweek games, Callum, Samirin winning at Celtic Park for the first time since 1990. I wasn't born the last time Samirin won. I was born in 91. Um, another low in what's been a pretty poor season for Celtic. It was a low, and I'm going to be honest, Grant, I'm not even going to overly dwell on Celtic. St Mirren were excellent. St Mirren dominated the game. St Mirren were very comfortable on the ball. Celtic deserved to lose. To make no mistake about it, Jim Goodwin said after the game, we felt with the current form that Celtic were in, we could come here and we could play well. They came, they dominated the ball for large parts, they took their goals well. Another mistake from Shane Duffy. Um, but but as I say, the full credit should go to St Mirren. I think we all know what Celtic's problems are now. Defensively, they're very poor. The atmosphere in the club has been toxic at times this season. That's not changed. Well, it hadn't changed at the weekend. We'll come on to midweek. So as I say, as far as I'm concerned, having watched the full 90 minutes, St Mirren deserve all the credit. People shouldn't dwell on, oh, Celtic were poor, Celtic were this. Celtic played the way Celtic have been playing this season. St Mirren were just a better team. And they deserve their win. And I think that's what I would like to say about that game. Because as we've spoken about off-air, Grant, too often you can hear, oh, the Celtic sob story or the Rangers sob story or the Aberdeen sob story when, when they lose a game to a club who's a, who are a smaller club than them. But you just there's certain times, Grant, as you know, you've got to just hold your hands up and say, you know, they were excellent today and they deserve the credit. We should be talking about them rather than the negatives. Because too often in Scottish football... We love a negative story. We love a crisis. We love a managerial change. We love a bit of turmoil. In this situation, I think we should give them the credit they deserve. A couple of stats from that game. Simonon's last 11 trips prior to their win uh, on Saturday yielded a total of just two goals, which was quite extraordinary. And of course, Simonon's last uh, league win over Celtic was that 4-0 trouncing in Paisley, which of course spelled the end for our former Celtic manager, uh, Tony Mowbray. So, uh, Really interesting stats there. Just a couple of things to wrap up the Saturday games, Callum. Hibs winning at Dundee United. Um, was that an expected result, in your opinion? I think it's. it just sums up where Dundee United are at this moment in time, Grant. They're not scoring enough goals. They're a club who just don't seem to have any real momentum. So, in terms of being expected, I, I, didn't, I wasn't entirely surprised that Hibs went one. So, as far as that's concerned, I would say... Yeah, and in a sense, it was expected, in my opinion. Yeah, absolutely. Let's move on to, to Tuesday night's games because, as I mentioned, Aberdeen and Livingston met twice, uh, once at the weekend, which was 0-0. But on Tuesday night, Livingston went up to Pataudry and won 2-0 on quite an extraordinary uh, first-half display uh, against Eric McInnes' side. Hibernian won 2-1 against Simmerin. Simmerin, of course, lost Jack Annett to a red card. And Celtic won 4-0 at managerless Kilmarnock. Uh, on Wednesday night, Ross County came from a goal down to beat Hamilton. More on that game later. Uh, Motherwell beat Dundee United 2-1 at Fort Park. And Rangers, uh, juggernaut goes on yet another clean sheet and a 1-0 victory. Let's start with the Tuesday games because obviously Livingston and Aberdeen met twice this week. It was 0-0 at the Tony Macaroni Stadium on Saturday. But on Tuesday night, Colin, Livingston went to Pataudry and deservedly picked up the three points. They, they absolutely deserve the three points and Livingston have been the, the side under David Martindale that have impressed us all. I think a lot of people, even Aberdeen fans, Grant, probably thought, right, we've drawn away at the weekend. We've probably fancy our chances tonight. A wee bit of positivity with the transfer window. 
but it wasn't that way at all. And and full credit to, to Livingston, they were they were clinical when they had to be. Um, under David Martindale, they've they've got an incredible spirit about them. They they all fight for each other. They play as a unit, which not many clubs can can say at the moment. And and, and fair play to them because it's it's a really refreshing story to to see a manager like David Martindale, given his background that he's been over a hundred and five million times. Um, he, he's been given a chance. Um, he's turned his life around and he's made the most of it. And for me, he deserves full credit, as do his players. Uh, I think they deserve the credit. And, and I'm going to be a hypocrite here because I said we shouldn't talk about doom and gloom um, when I spoke about Celtic. But for Aberdeen Grant, it's just not good enough. Um, any other what? manager, if they didn't have Derek McInnes's history, would be under a lot of pressure now. That what? being said, they what? are it's... sitting third. One win in seven for Aberdeen, Calm, and that was that win against Motherwell recently. In that run, they've drawn against the United 0-0. They lost to home to Rangers 2-1. They lost away in Ross County 4-1. They drew 0-0 with St Johnston, Livingston, and of course lost on Tuesday night. It's not a great run for the Dons at the moment. Well, if they if they win their game in hand, they, they'll still be in third place. Um, and I think third place, if Aberdeen finished third. Derek McInnes, I suppose, rightly can come out at the end of the season and say, I've got the third highest budget, I've finished third, I've done my job. Now, fans will probably and rightly come back and say this has been one of the worst Celtic teams in over a decade, which is which would be fair. We should have finished second because Celtic have been there to be punished time and time and time again. Um, when you just look at the league table, everything, everything tells you and shows you that. So that, that's maybe a fair criticism. Um, overall, Grant, I've just alluded to it there. If Aberdeen don't finish third, if Aberdeen finish fourth, or even fifth, as much as I like Derek McInnes, as much respect as I have for him, a change has to be made. And to be honest with you, it's going to be a big test of Dave Cormack. Dave Cormack talks a good game, Grant. Yeah. Um, he's someone who has some really innovative ideas. But if he doesn't make a change this summer, if Aberdeen finish fourth or fifth, I think we'll be talking about him as a, an ideas man rather than a realities man. Yeah, absolutely. In terms of the actual game, there was two really sloppy goals from Aberdeen. And I want to highlight the performance of Joe Lewis this season because he's the Aberdeen captain. I think there's a lot of pressure and expectation on him for taking on the captaincy. But ultimately, he's made quite a few high-profile errors this season. He made one, obviously, against Livingston in, in, in midweek. He made one in the cup game against Simran. And he had an awful display in the league uh, against Motherwell on the campaign. What have you made of Joe Lewis this season? I feel he's had a very tricky campaign. He's had a tricky campaign, but when the club and the players in front of you are, are, are playing the, the, the way that they are, it can't be easy. And every every goalkeeper, you've seen it with some of the greats, have off-seasons. They have tough times in their career. Joe Lewis, like many of these Aberdeen players, will be desperate to get to the end of the season and then we'll see where Aberdeen go from there, whether it's a fresh start in terms of management or recruitment or whatever it may be, because I just think it's went a bit stale at Aberdeen at the moment. I think the fans have felt that way for, for over a year now, and I think some sort of change has to happen there. The likes of Cosgrove leaving for a substantial fee maybe opens the opportunity for a proper rebuild to be done this summer by Derek McInneson. To be honest, I think it's overdue. I don't want to be disrespectful to some of the players that have made Aberdeen uh, tick over the years, but should Aberdeen be building their team around a Johnny Hayes and a Niall McGinn at this stage? 
No. I don't think so. I think you need to get the Johnny Hayes of seven years ago. Obviously, not you can't clone him, but an, an equivalent. You need to get the Niall McGinn of five or six years ago and build your team around young, hungry players. Something Aberdeen have always been able to do, and, and, and I know you and John uh, Bleasdale agree with this, they've, they've always been able to utilise the loan market rather well. And that's something they should be looking to do again this summer. Yeah. One I'm going to throw out, I'm just going to throw a name out here. Probably no sub, probably no substance to it. Probably won't happen. Team Caramoco Dumbelli doesn't get games at Celtic. Well, why shouldn't he consider a move to a club like Aberdeen where he can go prove his worth, maybe do a Ryan Christie and go there for a couple of seasons, play week in, week out, showcase his talent, and then go on to bigger and better things or stay at Aberdeen permanently? Yeah, certainly not a, a silly idea. And obviously, look what happened with Christie when he went to, to Aberdeen. And, you know, he then went back to Celtic and really just uh, blossomed, didn't he? And his career has been going from strength to strength. Incidentally, Livingston's win at Pittori was their first since 2004. And I was at that game, so I feel like I'm a bit of a jinx with that. But uh, hey-ho. Um, I want to do a poll vote in a minute, which I put on my Twitter earlier this week. But I want to do it in connection with the next game, Simmer and Hibbs. Hibbs winning 2-1 in Paisley. Uh, Jack Anik was sent off in the first half. Ryan Proteus and Martin Boyle scored for uh, Jack Ross's side. John Obika pulled a late goal back, but it wasn't enough for St Mirren. Are Hibs back in pole position for third, do you think? The, the, way, the way I look at it, they, they probably have to be because the, the, the run at Christmas was poor and realistically they have the quality to, to put together a run. If there's ever a time to put together a run, it's now. It would do Jack Ross a, a big, big favour if they could finish third because I think there are there were Hibs fans asking questions. I know I was asking questions after the the emphatic defeat in the semi final to St Johnston. I think that was a competition given that Celtic Rangers and Aberdeen were out that they really had to and Hearts as well, of course, had to make a stamp on. For me, they didn't do that enough. Um, so a third place finish would go a long way to to convincing and showcasing to Hibs fans that that Jack Ross is building something there and, and things are looking up because he's a manager who's clearly highly rated by, by so many. He's even got a, a, a video on the coach's voice on YouTube, which is um, a, a great platform that shares the ideas of world-class coaches, Josie Mourinho, etc. So that shows you how highly regarded he is that he was invited to do one of those talks. So he's a manager who clearly, um, as I say, has a lot of potential but he has to put that potential into reality now because I'm afraid for Jack Ross, we can't be talking about Jack Ross and what he achieved at St Mirren. We have to be talking about more more of the here and now because time football and time doesn't stand still. And for him, he needs to showcase to the Hibs fans in a concrete way that he's the right man. And if he can do that, then who knows where he can go and where Hibs can go. It was a really big win for Hibs on uh, on Tuesday night and a, a really big three points for them and put them back into third place. I put out a poll uh, on Twitter, Callum, uh, just basically saying who misses out on the top four, assuming Reigns and Celtic occupy the top two places. Um, Livingston actually won this poll. 49% went for Livingston. Aberdeen, 44%. Hibs, 8%. Livingston's form is the best um, out of that three clubs. Are you surprised that they are winning this poll to not finish in the top four? I am surprised, to be honest, Grant, but at the same time, I suppose I can see where some of the people are coming from in the sense that they've had such a great run under David Martindale that potentially, I'm not saying it's going to come anytime soon because you'd have to predict that at this stage, but 
Say Livingston turn up and they have an off day and they get thumped 3-0 by someone. Could that dent the confidence and they maybe have a sticky spell where they they draw a few matches, maybe lose another couple? Potentially. We don't we won't know until it happens, if it happens. So I think that's where those people are coming from. I think a wee bit like Leicester City, the year they stayed up in the Premier League where they were winning week after week after week under Nigel Pearson. A lot mm-hmm. of people say that will run out and, and they'll stop putting those wins together. That's what people are maybe starting to think about Livingston, but you'd be a brave person to to to, to put your neck on the line publicly and say that yeah. because they've been they've been absolutely fantastic. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree. If, if I personally feel, and as much as I, I love Aberdeen, I'm going to be bold right now. I don't think Aberdeen are finishing in the top four. Uh, their form is very erratic, and I just have a feeling that Livingston might get the points they, they require to, to get into that top four. And I think that Hibs will finish third and Livingston will finish fourth. That's just my gut opinion. The other game at Tuesday night, as we said, saw Celtic win 4 0 at Kilmarnock. Um, Celtic really uh, were, I thought, pretty good in this game. Scott Brown. Um, scored uh, for Celtic in the first half. Odson Edward then got a double, and then Albion Ayeti scored the clinching fourth goal. Um, interesting talking point from this game. Um, Edward scored one of his goals from the penalty spot. I watched it back quite a few times. I wasn't sure it was a penalty. What did you think of it? I think it was very soft. What I would say is I don't think it was necessarily a dive. I think there was some sort of there was some sort of contact. It was very soft. I wouldn't have given the penalty, if I'm honest with you, but to get a too-much ban for diving, I think, is a wee bit too much. Mm-hmm. It was certainly was a, a very convincing display from Celtic. Do you think James Fowler will be worried about how comfortable it was for Celtic on Tuesday night? Or was this a free hit for him? I think you would have to be, even if you're a Kilmarnock fan. I know the form's not been great for Kelly, but Celtic coming into the game off the back of a defeat to St Mirren, they've not been playing particularly great football. I do. I really don't think you should have. They should have set up as if they were scared of Celtic, which I thought they ultimately did in the end. Mm-hmm. Colin Doyle came in, having not played a game for an awful long time, and it showed. Just in one. And to be fair to him, he's not. As I say, he's not played in an awful long time, so it's always going to be a tough ask to step up against a team like Celtic, even though they haven't been in great form. So, realistically, James Hick Fowler will be saying, "Look, it's a free hit. Give me the time and the chance to." to show my credentials and you have to be honest with you as John Bleasdale said earlier if if they're not rushing to get Tommy Wright or somebody in you would have to then put two and two together and assume that they want James Fowler to get the chance mm-hmm. It's certainly going to be interesting to see what happens at Rugby Park that was for sure Let's talk about another team that are struggling Dundee United uh, Motherwell picking up a 2-1 win over the, the Tangerines um, at Fir Park uh, Motherwell moving up a place to ninth following that victory um, how worried would you be as a Dundee United fan right now? It's a eight games without a win, a fourth loss in the last, sorry, a third consecutive defeat, a fourth loss in the last eight games. Um, they're not scoring goals, Dundee United. They're the joint lowest scorers in the league with just 21 goals. Uh, nine points above the bottom, but they have played two games more than Hamilton. How worried would you be? I'd be very worried at this stage, I think. Mickey Mellon will be... I wouldn't say Mickey Mellon will be worried because obviously he sees them on a daily basis, but I think he'll be aware of the pressure that they are potentially going to come under. What I would say to you is if you're Dundee United and you're a Dundee United fan, you must be absolutely hoping you somehow get into that top six Mm. because I don't know if I would fancy this Dundee United team when the split happens. They play all the teams around them and get enough points to 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 
to get clear of, of the relegation zone. So if you're a Dundee United fan, I think was it what are we six games before the split? Yeah. They need to somehow by hook or by crook get into that top six because if they do, then they can breathe an incredible sigh of relief and Mickey Mellon will be praised for doing a really good job. If they don't and they finish in the lower half of the split, you could be talking about a totally different situation, Grant. And and it's incredible how how precarious it could be if they finish in that bottom half split because you've got lots of teams under them that are starting to bubble. We've talked about Ross County. We've talked about Motherwell. St Johnston have been steady this season. All it would need would be for Hamilton and maybe a new Kilmarnock manager to get a bounce. And you're talking about Dundee United potentially in a lot of trouble. They're a club financially, who we mentioned earlier, um, have, have been asking for a wee bit of support and fair play to the fans. They've given them that. If they go back down to the Championship, that 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 that's the worst nightmare for them, surely. Yeah, absolutely. I've got a Dundee United friend um, up here and uh, we have constant chats on WhatsApp and he is very worried that they may go down. So uh, certainly going to be very interesting to see what happens to the Tangerines in the, in the coming games, that's for sure. Uh, Rangers picked up another notable victory, 1-0 against St Johnston. But this game had a major talking point, Callum. Um, Kimar Roof's terrible challenge on uh, Murray Davidson, just receiving a yellow card. How lucky was he to escape? Very, very lucky to escape. Um, one of those challenges that when you slow it down, it looks even worse. Um, I know after the game, uh, Callum Davidson sort of downplayed it as such and just said, look, these things happen um, and and you move on. So I think he was a very lucky boy. I think as long as Davidson's safe and well, everyone should should sort of move on because I don't think this, I don't think anyone can seriously claim Kemal Roof was was trying to intentionally hurt the player. So, in my opinion, it was a, a terrible challenge, but provided everything's okay, safe and well, I think you just have to, to move on. If you're Kemal Ruth, put out your mind, score a couple of goals and get back into the headlines for good reason. Yeah, Stephen Gerrard celebrated his 100th win as Rangers manager against St Johnston this midweek. How good has he been since coming to the club? I think Stephen Gerrard has been... Has been good at Rangers. I think I'll be honest with you. Uh, if you rewind back to when football was curtailed, I, I think re- nobody would. Well, I don't think many would have predicted Rangers to be in the position they are now. If you consider where they were just before the the stoppage um, um, last season, so I think he's done an incredible job this year to turn that around. The one thing that he deserves immense credit for, even before this season, was was European football. I think. He's got Rangers organised and well-drilled to be a team that can be effective away from home in Europe. They've got some big results. Um, they've, they've played some big teams and, and gave them a scare. So in terms of European football, he deserves immense credit. This season, he's went and added the domestic um, game to, to, to his list of praise. He's going to win the league title. If he failed to win the league title from here, he and Rangers players may as well give up football because they are so far ahead. And they've been so ruthless that like, to drop off now would be would be unthinkable. It would be would be simply unthinkable and unfathomable, really. So, as I say, I think he will win the league if he can add the Scottish Cup. If the Scottish Cup is played, that would be a real marker for him. But let's be honest with you, Grant. Rangers fans haven't won the league in a few years now. This was all built about Celtic winning ten in a row and parties and all this sort of stuff. So. For Rangers fans to win the league this season, even if they don't win the, 
the, the Scottish Cup will be will be a sweet, sweet feeling for them after after a few years of having to watch from the sidelines. Yeah, Rangers are just six wins away from clinching the title and yet they could clinch the trophy at home against Celtic when they meet on the 20th of March, providing both Rangers and Celtic win all their games in the run-up to then. Let's finish up with... Uh, oh, just, just to come in there, Grant, it would be away from home. They could see it from, at Celtic sorry. Park. That's right, it's away from home. Sorry, my mistake. Which could be, which could be even sweeter if you're a Rangers fan. Indeed, indeed. indeed. Sorry about that. I am rightfully corrected on that. Let's finish up with uh, quite... Incredibly, uh, one of the games of midweek, but maybe not for all the right reasons. Hamilton won Ross County too. Let's start with the action on the pitch because Hamilton took the lead uh, through an own goal, uh, but Ross County scored twice in the last nine minutes to win this game two one. What a big win for the Staggies! Yeah, it was a it was a big win for the for the Staggies, and um, to to use an analogy that will come to soon, I think they were able to squeeze out a performance when they. <laughs> when they really needed it most, Grant, I thought they, they dug in deep. Um, and <laughs> I think uh, they deserved their win. Jordan White, we wished him a happy birthday earlier. He scored on debut. Billy Mackay scored. It was a late win um, for Ross County. Uh, goals in the last 10 minutes. John Hughes, of course, delighted and, and rightfully so. But <laughs> um, I need to stop laughing here. Um, <laughs> I, 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 action off the field... Um, I, I find more interesting in the football, well, let, well, and I'm, I'm not ashamed to say that for once. Yeah, well, let's talk about it, because maybe some of our uh, listeners aren't aware of this. This is a, a tweet that came out from Hamilton Ackes uh, last night, as we're recording this. A contractor used by the club on summarising co-commentary G's overstepped the mark this evening with a very poor attempt at humour. The club didn't find this funny, and the person will not be used again. Our apologies for this. Uh, said Hamilton said commentator... Uh, was caught with uh, the cam- uh, the sorry, mic still on, uh, having had an extended toilet break, which was very graphically described. It certainly was a bit of a dump of an evening, I think. Well, Grant, he will be hoping that his commentary career isn't a flash in the pan after last night. Yeah, absolutely. It certainly was very interesting. And I actually thought it was quite lighthearted. I mean, do you think the club were right to to sack him for that? I know it's unprofessional, but in the current climate, you know, it gave us all a bit of a laugh, didn't it? <laughs> it did give us a bit a lot of a laugh. Um, I think <laughs> the funniest thing about it for me Just was, clear. <laughs> it was the fact that he, he came out and said that, that the, the word, I'm just going to repeat it, he said the word jobby on a live commentary, which which was absolutely sensational. And then, bless him, I think I think he's probably just realised what's come out of his mouth, um, and 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 he's he's panicked and he's, he started telling us about how he pressed the button and 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 he had to he had to be back a wee bit later. He talked about squeezing and all all this stuff and I think that's what probably ended up seeing about the dome the end the fact that he went on to continue um, talking about it but I think it was probably just nerves um, I know Hamilton fans have criticised the commentator and said he was his knowledge etc was poor and I'm not going to comment on that side of it because I don't know I, I haven't watched yeah. Aki's TV this season um, so I can't comment on that and and if that's the way Hamilton fans feel and they've made their views known to the club, then then I'll leave that to them. Um, if he was sacked solely for the the uh, the jobby comment, then I think someone needs to consider having a sense of humour because oh, it was so funny. It was 
it was incredible and it just got me thinking it's terrible to say about some of the famous commentators of world football and imagining them saying that in their voices but we can we can dream on and imagine on and good luck to the guy I'm sure it was a mistake and I'm sure he's feeling pretty pretty poor poor, uh, poor this morning <laughs> I didn't know if that was intentional when he said "foo" there. That's creepy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, brilliant! Anyway, let's uh, let's move swiftly on because uh, you know that was a uh, that was really entertaining. And you know when you're uh, trending on Twitter um, that uh, under the hashtag Scottish Football Behaviour bracket, you know you've made it quite a an astonishing series of events. But in all seriousness, for Hamilton, Callum Ross County now four points above them. Hamilton obviously have two games in hand. Did Hamilton need to get something from the game last night? I think they did. It would have been a big marker for them had they got something from the game. Confidence, it'll be interesting to see how they recover. They've got these two games in hand, and I know Hamilton are a club who makes rough decisions. If these two games in hand don't go well and the folks further behind, would they consider a, a quick-fire change to, to try and see them over the line, maybe? Um, I'm just speculating there. I like Brian Rice, so I hope not, but yeah. I think they would have to try something because if they lose these two games in hand, then then they are in big trouble. And I know a lot of people have said, well, Hamilton always going to run a four wins or five wins out of nowhere. Yes, that's been true in the past. And yes, they've got history for it. But you have to think eventually that that fire will, will stop bombing. Yeah, absolutely. And it's certainly been a, a an interesting week in Scottish football. We've gone through so much on the show tonight. Uh, and, you know, we've just finished doing the, the review. There's never a dull moment in Scottish football. It's now time for our speed predictions and an update on our predictions league here on the SBFL 42 show. Uh, Callum, my uh, number two for this episode, at least, is well out in front with uh, 131 points. I, I, I just put that in. I wonder if you pick that up very cleverly. Um, in second place with 121 points. And John Bleasdale is in third place with 108 points. It's very much hotting up. Um, let's move on to this week's speed predictions. But before we do, Callum, um, let's talk about the championship. Because there was a couple of games in, in the championship this midweek. Um, it was a very good win for Dunfermline at home to Wraith Rovers. And, and Arbroath and Inverness was also a very good one, a very good game as well. The finish it, was, it was, I think, Dick Campbell said a really good week. Um, beat Morton at Capelo on... Saturday, which Super was a good win. win. Yeah, it was a very good win. Uh, he described it as being like a cup final when the, the final whistle went. That's the relief that he had. I think when you look at the um, game against Inverness, I think you will take a, I think you'll take a point from that game. John Robertson was very complimentary of Arbroath. And, and, and I think Dick Campbell's the sort of manager that he was very honest. I spoke to him the, um, today and, and, and he was very honest about the fact that the second season's always a hardest. Sheffield United can atone to that in the English Premier League as well. I mean, coming up the first season, you've got the adrenaline, you're a surprise package, people don't know how you play, people arguably don't take you seriously as they should, but given the fact that when football was stopped last season, our both were sitting fifth, I think a lot of teams upped the game and thought, right, we need to pay them respect. And Dick talked about the fact that so many teams have played 4-5-1 against them this season, which he takes as a big compliment. He was yeah. also keen to stress that Peter Grant gets immense respect and credit from him because they are part-time teams in this division. And he said, Aloha have shown over the last four seasons under different managers, including Peter, 
um, that they can stay up in the league, and, and that has to be Allo- uh, sorry, Adderall's blueprint. So uh, full credit to, to them this week. And uh, it's just Scottish football in the Championship is such a great league. It's got so many characters within it, and long may it continue, because I'm sure the end of the season will be just as crazy as ever. Yeah, absolutely. We've neglected to mention Saturday's results here. United won 4-1 against Alloa. Hearts won 1-0 against Dunfermline. We've already mentioned our Broths win at Morton, a great win for Dick Campbell's team. Wraith Rovers beat Dundee 3-1. And of course, I'll reiterate again, on Wednesday night it was Arbroath 1 in Vanessa Calithistle 1 and Dunfermline uh, beat Wraith Rovers 4-1. Now let's move on to the speed predictions. Uh, we start, of course, uh, on Friday night in the Championship column. Uh, Air United at home to Hearts. Air's inconsistency against Hearts supremacy at the top. Hearts win. Yeah, I'm also going for the Hearts win. Uh, let's move into the Scottish Premiership on Saturday. Uh, Celtic at home to Motherwell. Celtic win. Yeah, I'm also going for the Celtic win. Uh, Hibs against Aberdeen. A huge game for both teams in the battle for top. Draw. I think it'll be quite cagey. Ooh, I'm going for a Hibs win in this one. Um, Livingston against St Johnston at dress rehearsal for the League Cup final. I'm going to go Livingston. Ooh, I'm also going for Livingston in that one. And a big game in the bottom half of the table, Ross County against Dundee United. Ross County won. I am going for an entertaining draw. Uh, and St Mirren without Jack Anik at home to Kelly. Oh, hmm. I'm going to go St Mirren win if Kilmarnock don't have a manager, which yeah. I don't think they will before the fixture, so I'm going to go St Mirren. I'm in two minds with this one. I have changed my mind. I was going for a St Mirren one, but I'm going to go for a score draw. I need to catch up, so uh, I'm going to go for something different here on that one. Uh, on Sunday in the Scottish Premiership, Hamilton against Rangers. Surely a convincing away win for Rangers here, do you think? Emphatic Rangers win. They'd be stunned otherwise. Yeah, I'm exactly the same there. Let's complete the Championship. Uh, Alloa at home to Queen of the South. A big game for both teams. Alloa win. Well, interesting. I'm going for a score draw. Uh, Arbroath against Dunfermline at Gayfield. As much as I love Dick Campbell, I'm going to upset him here. Dunfermline win. I'm going to go for a score draw on this one as well. I think Arbroath might get something here. Um, now, a really big game, I think, for Dundee. They're at home to Inverness. Dundee really need to start picking up some points if they're going to make the playoffs. I think they will. I think they'll win this game. I think they've, they've added well. There's a lot of pressure on them in regards to Deciding Jason Cummings and, and obviously having a player the quality of Charlie Adam in their squad. So I think they have to start winning games. I, I talked earlier that with that level of investment comes pressure. James McPake has to get them to the, the latter stages of the playoffs if he's to keep his job, in my opinion. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to back them to win. I think they, they have to win. Inverness have been really poor this season, Grant. I think they've been the biggest disappointments in that league, in my opinion. And because let's be honest, we expected Queens to struggle be given the form in recent years. The part-time clubs were always going to find the COVID situation very difficult with players still working, etc. So overall, I think Inverness will be disappointed and they'll be punished again. Yeah, absolutely. I think Dundee will win this one, though I think it'll be a very low-scoring affair. And last up is Morton at home to Wraith Rovers. <sighs> I am going to... I'm going to say draw. I just don't think Morton's form has been, been good enough recently. But we've got a really big battle on our hands. We've got Sterling versus Abraham in the Championship in Scotland. Unfortunately, it's not Raheem versus Tammy. Uh, um, it's Timmy Abraham versus Keziah Sterling. <laughs> um, but I'm sure it will be an exciting battle nevertheless. But I'm going to go draw. 
I'm also going draw in this one as well. You can uh, follow our predictions on the at the SPFL42 on Twitter and see how we are getting on uh, throughout uh, the campaign. Um, just to wrap things up, Callum, I want to talk about Scotland's under-21s uh, group. They have been drawn with Denmark, Belgium, Turkey and Kazakhstan. This is the Scotland under-21s for the 21-23 European qualifying draw. What do you make of Scotland's draw? Very, very difficult. Mm. And I think they will struggle to qualify. I'm not, not being a pessimist. I just think when you mention um, sides of that quality, I think even Kazakhstan's a tough place to go. The, the, the senior national team have shown that. So Absolutely. I, I think when that draw came through, Scott Gemmell and his backroom staff would have, would have had their head in their hands, if I'm honest. Yeah, absolutely. It's certainly going to be interesting to see what happens there. Any other business, Colin, before we wrap up the show? Um, not much to say, Grant, other than, obviously, thank you to the listeners. Uh, if the Ham- Hamilton Aki's commentator is listening, um, I hope you've not taken the last 24 hours too badly. I hope you're, you're doing well because these things can happen. We've all made mistakes. Um, even even on air, I famously said to Andy Gray that he went to the World Cup when he famously hadn't. So I've made big blunders myself. And if you're listening, please just take it as a learning opportunity. Work hard to learn from it and regain your composure and your confidence. Don't let it define you because... It's very easy to to listen to people on on Twitter laughing at you and um, maybe uh, coming for you in an abusive abusive way. But we all make mistakes, and if you're listening, get yourself um, back into the groove and improve yourself again because everyone deserves a second chance. I absolutely agree with that, and I echo uh, Callum's comments. Well, that brings us to the end of another episode of the SPFL Forty Two Show. As always, we are sponsored by Six Yards Out. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at the SPFL42. We cover every division of Scottish football for fans of Scottish football. Well, that's it from us. Uh, thanks very much to Callum um, uh, for being alongside me tonight. And for me, Grant Campbell, it's all the very best and enjoy the weekend of football. Bye-bye for now.